granddad business with Aaron Caliber. That's my dad. Hello. Underpants? That is hilarious. Shut your mouth, dude. Rate and review this podcast or my daddy will go into a deep depression. Welcome to Grown Dad Business. This is Aaron Kleiber. Um, this week, uh, I'm with my family in Virginia Beach. I'm having a great time. Um, but uh, I just want to introduce part two to my episode with Emma Arnold. This is part two. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go back to Grown Dad Business. Listen to part one. Uh, Emma has a very interesting life. Uh, she's been through a lot of different things in her life. Uh, the first episode... First part, we talk a lot about her uh, special needs special needs son. She also has six children, uh, and three of them stepkids, three of them her own. Pretty crazy life. Uh, and uh, then it gets even crazier. Uh, we, we learn a little bit more about how Emma became the person that she is. Uh, gets a little deep, and um, you know, I, and I get to talk a little personally about you know my history, my past, some of the. Uh, things that I've gone through. Um, so this is uh, a parental advisory warning or even a warning for anybody who has gone through any kind of abuse. Uh, so Emma and, I, Emma and I talk about that a little bit. Uh, we really, we well, not a little bit, we really get into it. So if something like that bothers you, um, we're just, just, you know, just letting you know that it's gonna get deep. And uh, if stuff like that does bother you, uh, make sure you do talk to somebody um, talk to a spouse, talk to a partner, a best friend, a parent if you can. Uh, but this is a very serious issue. Um, being abused as a child and, and sexually abused and physically abused, uh, really, I mean, the effects that it has on people are pretty powerful. Uh, and, uh, you know, nobody wants you to carry that through adulthood, uh, and then also into being parents as well. So, we're gonna talk a lot about that. It gets pretty. I told you, it gets pretty. Uh, gets pretty grown. Um, but uh, yeah, if you haven't listened to part one, and also as usual, um, if you want to check me out live, go to AaronClapper.com. You know that. And uh, shout out to my sponsor, Goods and Evil, GoodsandEvil.com. You get ten percent off any cool T-shirts and other wares. They have little bags, purses, things like that. Uh, horror movies, movies, and also a line of vegan. Yeah, if you're into that, they got that. You get 10% off with the coupon code GROWNUP, all one word, at goodsandevil.com. Check them out. And uh, let's uh, get into uh, part two of my podcast, My Grown Dad Business, with Emma Arnold. So, Also, I, I asked you about a tattoo you had, which really got me thinking a lot mm -hmm. it really did um my mom and i are survivors of abuse mm -hmm. and uh actually no i'm gonna say this it's it's interesting because my mom just got her first tattoo oh and you have a tattoo and i was like you know i'm gonna what if my my mom and i got tattoos together yeah and explain the tattoo you have because i've never heard or seen this oh okay so um i have a. Uh, 
it's called the stitch. Yeah. It looks like a little stitch. I have it on my arm. And uh, it's the universal symbol for survivors of child abuse. Yeah, I never yeah. knew that. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating. And yeah. I don't, uh, like, I, I don't want to, like, bring it up all, like... No, no, it's totally cool. You know, it I think bother. it's... Because um, the, uh, the other thing is, like, I, I love, I love, you know, people that listen to my podcast, they know I love talking to comedians of where they came from. Yeah. And, and not geographically. Yeah. Like, where they came from as a person growing up. And because I think it's always fascinating how comedians become comedians. Yeah. There's always, you know, nine out of ten times, something messed up happened in their the, life and the other one person who was like oh no i wasn't abused and yep. then you'll start talking to him and they're like well my dad would hit me with this board against the side of my head and i'm like <laughs> oh honey no you yeah, were no, for you, sure abused yeah you yeah. had a weird childhood no, no, and you didn't even okay. know it yeah. yeah like there's always something or they're like oh well actually uh my dad cheated on my mom with my aunt and i walked in and you're like oh okay there's a reason oh, okay. you saw some things yeah yeah there's no, there, what, I, what i meant to say was like there's always that one person like no it's Nope, ter perfectly normal. Yeah, they're always full of shit. Like, nope. But yeah, yeah, that or it's like either they, I'm like, so your parents were great. And they're like, yeah. And they're like, yeah, but I had 20 siblings. I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You had and an I'm interesting life. Yeah. yeah. Or like, I'm the youngest of nine. Or they're like, oh, I got beat up every day in school. Like yeah, there was, was, there's always so trauma. Yeah, there's, there's always something. trauma. Yeah. Um, the stitch, it, it started as uh, the symbol for uh, survivors of child sex abuse. It was started by speakyoursilence.org, which Jeff and I promote a lot. And um, we we give part of our merch sales to and stuff. They're wow. wonderful. Um, they provide free counseling to the survivors of uh, the adult survivors of child sex abuse. But it kind of branched out from there. And uh, people started coming to shows with the same tattoo yeah. and being like, I'm also a survivor of just child abuse. But I connected so much with like, because we talk about it all over the place. And I, I yeah. talk about it in my act some. And um, people were like connected with that stitch idea because the idea is a kind of like you, you're, you've sewn sure, your heart yeah. back together kind of thing. And um, and I, people connected with it so much that I was like, I, I thought it was really cool that people just sort of made it their own thing. And it was just for the survivors of abuse in general, which right. I think is really, it's a really cool thing to like reduce the shame around it and right. to bring kind of, and it connects you with people that, yeah. like you said, people have seen that you have that too. And, and oh my gosh, like, so, so the speaker silence sells these little kits where you sew an orange thing, um, like on a piece of piece of uh, uh, clothing or whatever and right. like um, people have sewn it onto their sports equipment like I've had like um, professional hockey players and stuff yeah. like tweet like they've got it on their gloves and they're like I'm a survivor too wow. and um, and even just like the sex abuse stuff like it's really common one in four girls one in six boys were sexually abused and yeah. it's not something we talk about people get right. so weird if you bring it up they're like oh I don't want to oh that's so real right. you know and it's just like any any sort of trauma like that that you try to talk about, people get weird yeah. about. So I love it. I, I love that people are getting the tattoo and um, it's it's a interesting like it's dead people will ask me about it and I'm like oh I was a survivor of child abuse and child sex abuse and they're like oh and you just have a tattoo and you're just talking about it. So yeah. I think yeah. it's a cool thing. Yeah, I mean I I, I I always ask comedians like how did you become funny? Mm -hmm. Like that's it's always fascinating to me. Yeah, and especially you know people without kids you know we i that's what i talked to yeah, him about yeah uh but you know i love how you have both going yeah, on yeah both stories and so like when like i i will correct me if i'm wrong but a lot of people that like uh, for me like it was a it was a survival technique it was just to like express myself and feel accepted mm -hmm. and and now i still say like i feel love and acceptance from doing comedy yeah like it makes me feel good about myself it's something yeah. that 
I, I feel like a lot of people that are victims of abuse, um, they find some way to find love to fill that, mm -hmm. you know, hole in their heart that needs stitched up, yeah. you know, and that you can fill it with a lot of negative things, mm -hmm. more abusive relationships, substance abuse. Yeah. You're always self-medicating with something, it's something. And yeah. it's amazing that comedy has been that for me in my life. It mm -hmm. really has been. Yeah. Um, did you experience that early on, like being creative to kind of, um, I, I was a very funny kid, but, um, I was very odd. Yeah. I didn't fit in with other kids. I was basically like a homeschool kid. Like, yeah. I think I was just obnoxious mostly as a kid. Yeah, like I was people too, yeah. didn't understand my humor. Like I was super into Monty Python. Yeah. And so I was weird. This and was absurd. like a 13 year old girl into Monty Python. Yeah. Like <laughs> here's a perfect example in fourth grade. I had just moved to a new school. Okay. And first of all, the first day of school, I told everybody I was a boy and I pretended to be a boy for a week. And yeah, then okay. I came back in and was like, actually, I'm a girl. And everybody's like, what the fuck is wrong with this child? <laughs> like, <laughs> was, I was a very odd child. Like, and I just thought that was hilarious. That's right. I pretended I was black for like five years of my life. <laughs> so that's true. People that know me. But I, uh, in, that, in fourth grade, to fit in, I thought it would be a hilarious prank to, uh, I took paper towels from the, back, the bathroom and I rumpled them up and burned around the edges to make it look like parchment. And then I wrote in red marker and made it look like blood. And I... Uh, wrote, You're, you need to stop hogging the sandbox or I'm coming for you, signed Freddy Krueger. And then I buried them in the sandbox at my school for the like popular girls to find. That is... And I thought that that was the funniest fucking spectacular. thing. Spectacular. But they found these notes and were like... Uh, fucking terrified just absolutely hor like so scared because they're just digging in the sandbox and they found letters from freddy krueger saying that he was going to come and eat them and kill them and i didn't actually know who freddy krueger was i wasn't allowed to watch the movies i just knew that he was like baby a monster or something yeah. um and i got in really big trouble for that and nobody else <laughs> thought that was as funny as i did the people that are also horror fans will love that yeah because I, I have i have i know people listen that follow the, like the movie stuff and that's great yeah so that was the stuff i did to be funny it was like weird stupid shit that i thought was really yeah um and i don't think i think honestly the reason i became funny wasn't as much because of my trauma as a smaller child it was because I, uh, my, my real father, my biological father is a monster, uh, just yeah. a, but he, my, my parents split when I was like seven and, um, I had to go spend summers with him. Mm. But other than that, we had like almost no contact. Like it was yeah. very weird. And, um, but my stepdad came into my life and he was so wonderful yeah. and so kind to us. And like, I was always like a skittish wild animal yeah. around him, but he was just like, mellow and patient kind and of like accepted who you were super zen like yeah. just really patient and kind and like um really like reached out to me like could see that i was funny and so like encouraged me always gave me comedy shit and like um i always was trying to be i have three stepsisters and i was always trying to like fit in always around i'm a, i think my whole life has been spent kind of around the edges of stuff trying to be like sure. hey me too right guys <laughs> And so I think being funny was my way of like trying to gain acceptance for my stepdad because sure. because he had three daughters already. Like he didn't need one more fucking kid yeah. who was really broken and scared, like uh, just a yeah. tragically broken kid. And so I was always like trying to make him laugh and yeah. like making him laugh is still like one of my favorite things and, you know, to do. To his credit, like what a good man. Oh, such a good man. For that. I didn't think I realized until I was an adult. Now I have stepkids of my own. And I right. think I've really been like, oh, you didn't have to love me. Like, yeah. you didn't have to right. be kind That's to me. I, yeah. You didn't have to do anything. And, like, he was just sort of there. He's kind of a rock. 
You know, yeah. like he's not, he does not a guy who's going to display emotion. He's not a guy who's going to yeah. say, I love you, but he will come and fix your water heater at 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Like mm-hmm. he is, he's just there for you. Yeah. I and ha- I really appreciate that now. I definitely have that in my father-in-law. And I say that mm-hmm. a lot is like, that's the kind of guy he is. He's not going to like hug and kiss you and tell you, I love you. Yeah. But this guy is, doesn't matter where you are, what you need. Yeah. He's that guy. Yeah. Um, and did your stepdad, was he like that? Did your mom uh experience abuse did he yeah. kind of like yeah and so my my father was uh abusive to both of us but mostly to me and i have a i have a younger brother also um but he's five years younger and so we left right after he was like pretty mm. much right after he was born. i kind of have the same situation so he so even my brother still has a relationship with my father and it kind of has always been like yeah. i don't understand why you guys don't get along and i'm like i know i know you don't you yeah around. It, it is it is a tough thing i mean um and I, I don't want to, you know, I don't talk about it much just just for my sister who, you know, my stepdad was very abusive to my mom and I. Mm-hmm. And but my sister was so little and she didn't get experience that. Yeah. You know, and she still. And I was also very good. Close with her stepdad. The summer. Or her dad. The summer. Um, the summers that we would spend with my father, I was really good about shielding my brother from the abuse. Like mm. I would provoke my father so that he would do shit to me and leave my brother alone. Yeah. And so my brother didn't experience a lot of the abuse I experienced because yeah. I was so protective of him. And yeah. so, I mean, I guess there's kind of a mixed blessing there. Cause that's he, even a tougher place to be. Yeah. Yeah. And also he didn't experience the sexual abuse I did yeah. because I was the girl, I was the girl. And yeah. so, um, and that is, this is an interesting thing. So I'm super public about being sexually abused. Yeah. And I do it. I talk about it in my act and stuff. Um, but I haven't told my family. Like I haven't told my brother. I haven't talked to my family about it. Really? Um, I told, so when I was 10, I was in therapy uh, because I was a really angry, fucked up kid. And, yeah. you know, bearing notes from Freddy Krueger and shit. And nobody could figure out what was wrong with me. And I was in counseling. I had this great counselor. And she finally kind of drew it out of me that I had been sexually abused. Or are we going over no, I'm pretty sure that my microphone wasn't on for about 10 minutes. Are you serious? Yep. Oh, no. Well, okay. Well, that's a weird one-sided interview that people will be like, oh, yeah, interesting. Yep. Oh, well, mine's on, I think. Well, what are so. you going to do? Yeah. Well, so I, um, I went to, into counseling when I was 10, and then so my counselor was able to draw out that from me finally, very slowly, that I had been sexually abused. Hmm. And I didn't say by who. I just said I had been. And then I to- she had me tell my mother and my stepdad, and I told them, and my mom was like, I can't tell you why, but I know for a fact. And I was just sort of very generally was like, look, I was molested. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, I can't tell you why, but I can tell you for sure that you were never molested. And they pulled me out of counseling, and we never talked about it again. And, um, and huh. that really fucked me up because I had, I had been terribly sexually abused. And Where did uh, that come from? Well, I've all, so I buried that really deep. I buried all the sexual abuse. I never touched it until about five years ago when I got into counseling and started dealing right. with all this shit. Um, and I got into treatment for like sex addiction stuff because I was really fucked up. Mm. And I started dealing with it. And around that same time, um, my after my grandfather had died, like we were going through his stuff and I couldn't understand why my mom and my aunt were just throwing his things away, kind of like no love or care. And I'd be like, mm. oh my God, don't you want to keep that? These are like special things. And um, finally, my mom, after weeks of going through this shit, pulled me aside and was like, I'm never, I never. So my family's Swedish, by the way. They're okay. super uptight. She was like, we're never talking about this again. Never bring this up to me again. But your grandfather sexually abused me. And that's why we don't want to keep his shit. And he probably he probably sexually abused your aunt too. I have no idea. We've never discussed it. 
we're never talking about this again, but this is why I knew you had never been sexually abused when you said that you had, was because I was always so protective with you and I never let you be around men, which was true. My mom was crazy about men. Like I wasn't right. allowed to do sleepovers. She was so overprotective. Right. And she's like, I know you weren't molested. Like when you said you were molested, I knew you weren't because I never let you be around men. Well, my mom worked nights and I was with my father every night Ugh. and she didn't know. So she thought she had protected me from this thing that had happened to her, but then yeah. the same thing happened. Right. And um, I haven't told her again. Yeah. Even then, like she was telling me that, and I was just like, "But oh. doesn't she listen to your act or like?" She, I've never done that stuff in front of her, and she doesn't listen to like podcasts or anything. Um, I, it's like it's this conversation that I know I need to have. I told, I told one sister. I've told one sister, but I haven't told her. Part of it is, is I know it's going to devastate everyone yeah. you know and it's going to devastate her and it's like this weird responsibility that i have of like well, i have to be the one to tell everybody that this terrible thing that i've processed yeah. like i've done a ton of emdr and i've like really and i'm kind of through it yeah but it's going to wreck everybody else so yeah no it definitely is a tough thing for parents that have children that are victims of abuse because yeah. you know it's they feel like it's their fault yeah and, and things oh, like she's, that it's gonna be really hard yeah, that's a tough thing to deal yeah, with yeah yeah and i mean it's uh i mean it sounds like you you went through some pretty intense things yeah i mean I, yeah i was molested uh or molested isn't like i hate that word i hate the word molested because it's so tidy sounding like i was raped from the time that i was basically an infant oh till i was about six years six or seven years old oh. after my mom left um, we, my father moved away and we would spend summers with him, but he stopped molesting me around that time. Oh. He was still really physically abusive, but maybe I aged out or something. Oh. I don't know exactly what happened. Um, I mean, I, I guess I still remember sexual stuff happening, but he wasn't, yeah. he didn't rape me again after I was six. Oh. So, um, and I, he also got sober for a few years in there. And I yeah. think when he, that stuff always happened. My, my dad, my father's like a huge alcoholic, uh, yeah. And so I think that that stuff happened when he was drinking and not when he was sober. So I think when he was sober, he was able to like be a different person. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, it's a weird thing to have like this pocket of good memories after yeah. all of that shit. Cause he was sober for a couple of years right. and was like really trying to be a, a dad for like just a quick sober window and then fell out, you know, just went to trash right. again. Um, and he was and at that time, like I would, you know, walk him home from the bar. And I yeah. was like seven and knew how to do dishes, knew how to do laundry, knew how to cook because I was like the adult, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, I, it was pretty formative. Yeah. When did you finally sever that relationship? Only, only like, um, three or four years ago. Really? Um, yeah. At, he would like, did he have any relationship okay. with your kids or? Uh, yeah, but never alone. Like, and also uh, he's, he w he kind of abandoned us. Like that's really like nice of you. Like that's no, it wasn't nice. It was avoidance. Like I no, but like never to, to let him be in your life that long. It was it wasn't nice. It was just because I never dealt with what happened. Like right. I didn't. I never even told my ex husband. We were together twelve years. I never told him. I one wow. time when we first got together was like, look, my father was super abusive. And, and I was very much my mother. We're never talking about this again. Right. My father was super abusive. He was a monster. I don't ever want to talk about this again. Yeah. And he would come and visit me like once or twice a year, come into town like real quick and like um, hang out real quick and kind of like be weird and then leave again. And like, so it's not like I had a ton of, con and he would call me and every time I would see him, I would be wrecked for weeks. Just like I would be super manic and like, or depressed and be like self-harmy and yeah, no, and that didn't really like yeah. never really accepted. Like 
why or what the reason was. Right. And when I got into counseling and I finally started to be like, okay, this shit really happened. Like I had memories of it that I had just pushed way down. And I just, yep. I, I liken it to if you, abuse is like holding a balloon underwater. Yeah. And every once in a while it would bob to the surface yeah. on accident. And I would be like, no, 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 no. I don't want to do that. And yeah, so finally what, I started to let it come out. Especially when you start, when you start doing that, because I didn't really start having memories until I was in college. So I started dealing with things and yeah. like remembering things. And you're like, oh, it was worse than you thought. Yeah. yeah. That's what happened. I think also that was part of it for me is like, I had all these memories and stuff, but I, they just sort of lived in this little compartment that I never touched. And when like I started, yeah, like yeah. a dream. I also have like very few memories of my childhood. Like I have a lot of blackout like, yeah. you know, stuff that starts with severe physical abuse and ends in a blackout. Like I have no like yeah. weeks, months, years missing. Um, and when I started EMDR, yeah. a lot of that shit finally came flooding back. And it yeah, was and a lot of people, you know, worse. they don't they don't know it till you really start dealing with it because it does feel like it's like a scene in a movie you think you saw. Yes. You it's know? like a weird postcard that would sometimes voom, go through my head. Yeah. Um, and you're like, where did this image come from? Yeah. Like, yeah. How, did and this happen? And um, I, I think also I started like when I started touching it, I started to be like, oh, this wasn't a normal. Also, after having kids, yeah. because I was super careful to not be abusive to my kids and I, I, like over the top. Yeah. <laughs> I sometimes have to remind myself that it's that my goal was to make sure that like my, my kids will be like, you're so mean. And I'll be like, you don't even fucking yeah. know what a yeah. mean parent is. And then I'm like, Oh, that was your goal. That's the yeah. end game is that your kids don't know what a mean parent is. That, it's fantastic. And I, 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 I have that feeling as well. Like I, I've whacked my kids bum a couple times, mm -hmm. you know, you, like, you, you know, yeah, they, I've, I've lost my shit a couple times and then yeah. been like, Nope, but, that's you know, not who I meant to be. You know, once, you know, my kids reach an age where if that would ever happen, I remember, and it's 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 painful, and it, you know what I mean. Where it's like when I would see my kids, where they thought I would like spank them, mm -hmm. and they they have that fear of you. Yeah. And I'm like, I never no. want my kids to look at me like that. No, me neither. Because you know what that's like. Oh yeah, and yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah, I, I. I never want my kids to uh, fear physical harm from me. Yeah. Exactly. Ever. Or emotional abandonment or yes. like, you know, because there was a lot of emotional abuse. Like my dad would, my father would tell us that we were worthless, that we were garbage or me specifically, right. you know, that I didn't deserve to live. And, and I feel like that emotional abuse is so deeply embedded right. in who I am. Like, yeah. and, um, that the physical stuff, a lot of that, I can kind of just be like, well, yeah, he was, he was an asshole, but like yeah. the emotional abuse really settled yeah. deep into, you know, core bone shit. And it definitely, uh, you know, it's, it really is, um, when you think about it, it is a blessing that, you know, you hear about a lot of people who are abused as children become abusers. Yeah. And I'm, uh, you know, I'm so thankful and blessed that I'm in a place where that was the opposite for me. Mm -hmm. And it was a moment in time for me where I remember being about 12 or 13 years old going to a counselor, like a therapist, and just right in front of me talking to my mom saying like, oh, well, you know, he, he's going to be like a man soon. And, you know, he hits 15, 16. He's going to start pretty much beating, you know, you and your daughter. Like basically yeah. like, oh, it's coming. Yeah. He's going to get worse. Yeah. Like two, like I'm in, it's sitting there. Yeah. And I was just kind of like this bitch. Like yeah. what? 
like telling her that I'm going to become a monster. And I remember like thinking of that um, as like I met my wife right after high school and especially having, you know, children. But, you know, thinking, no, you know what? No. no. Yeah. I'm going to prove that wrong. Yeah. Never, ever, ever. Yeah. I th- and I think um, it really swung the other way for me where I was like, I've always been. I well, I'm not good about being angry because right. to me, like being angry f- for a long time, it was like, well, being angry is dangerous because it can spill so quickly into right. craziness. And so I never got mad about anything like my whole life. I'd like never right. had any anger. It's only been in the last few years where I have started to be like, what is this feeling? Oh, this is anger. And so I think like my I had like a extreme reaction where I was just like, OK, well, I'll just never be angry ever, ever, yeah. ever, ever, even when it's appropriate and you should be angry. Like I had yeah. like a and it's only, I'm only starting to like have healthy anger now. Right. After a long time. Yeah. And it's, you know, I can always, you know, I'll, I'll wrap up with this. Like it's, I know, I, I mean, I can, I can say that it's probably for you as well as that you're happy that where you're at. Yeah. And that, you know, you can have this experience in your life become a positive experience. It's a weird trade. And, um, you know, there's been often a lot of things, times where I've thought like, would I, would I trade? I feel like I am a very creative and thoughtful and compassionate person um, because I have been through fucking hell. And when people are like, oh, how did you do this? How did you, like, with comedy stuff, I'm like, I'm not scared of anything. Right. I've had the worst thing that Agreed. can possibly happen happen to me. Yeah. What, am I going to be scared that a crowd doesn't like me? Yeah. Are they going to rape me? Then yeah. fuck off. I yeah. don't care. Like, I really feel like it's made me very fearless and it's like, um, Jeff, Jeff always says to me, like, you're so fucking unbreakable. And I think that that is true. Like I have been through the worst and well, you've, we've been broken. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I'm already have been, you know what that feels like. Yeah. That's like when I, when I, when I went into middle school and like, I was never afraid to like fight anybody, Mm -hmm. but I also didn't want to fight because like I, I, you know, without getting into, I've explained it before on the podcast, but like, you know, I, w- I moved into a school that was an inner city school and I have like sixth, seventh grade black kids like punch me. And I'm like, oh, they punch like adults. <laughs> like they're, yeah. they're tough kids. <laughs> yeah. But I also, I also remember thinking like I would get in fights and be like, pff, like yeah, yeah, you're a child. I've yeah. been punched by a man. Exactly. Like this is, yeah. you know, this is nothing. I think like, especially, I mean, I was a very feel- fearful person, like most of my life, like um, just, I had a lot of anxiety, like would have a panic attack parking at Costco. Yeah. But in the last four years have really started to like, since I'd finally turned around and let the balloon out of the water and just looked at it, I've kind of been like, Oh, well I survived that. Right. I can, Absolutely. I can do all this shit. Yeah. You know? So yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I appreciate you sharing that story. Sure. I, I appreciate you like, uh, doing this and yeah, talking to me. I think it's fascinating. And I love one of my favorite parts about doing this podcast is that um, that people can relate to this, mm-hmm. to all sorts of things, the way people grow up, whether it be painful or silly. Yeah. I think it's just fascinating that um, that people can relate to that. Yeah. And, and it, it, it does need to be talked about more. Yeah, you know? it does. And, and also, like, I love sharing with people, like, where comedians come from. Yeah. You know what I mean? That it's not, we're not goofballs. It's like, it, it does, a lot of it's it comes pathological. from. Yeah, it's pathological. Yeah, it does. <laughs> a lot of it comes from a place of pain. Yeah. And, the, and like, I feel like why you want to share joy and laughter with people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I. Um, That's a magical thing about comedy. Yeah. Is that like to to take somebody somewhere for a minute and have them just enjoy their life? Yeah. I'm I not, always, I'm not always, trying to say we're some ambassadors. You I, know. I think you are. In but a it way, is a but special yeah. thing. You can talk to people about. I talk about being sexually abused on stage and yeah. uh, people afterward come and hug me and say, yeah. I've had people tell me I've never told anyone. Yeah. I've never, I haven't told my wife. I haven't told my counselor, right. but I was raped as a kid. Right. And uh, I've had people like, because they see that I can talk about it right. and still be warm and alive and funny right. that they're like, Oh, maybe this isn't my fault. Right. You know? Yeah. I, two things. One is that I always say when I have a conversation like this with somebody is that I think it is imperative that, you have this conversation bond with your partner, with your spouse. Yeah. yeah. It's super important. Um, I, I will say, I want to say so often when people tell me why they haven't told their spouse that they were uh, abused or raped or whatever, yeah. it's because they're like, I don't want to burden them. Uh, I, I don't want to give them, I don't want to uh, tell them my, you know, dirty stuff. And then they know like, that's going to be so hard for them to hear. But like you you are not burdening people by yeah. telling them your pain. Like and you are doing them a favor. You're showing vulnerability. You're showing that you yeah. trust them. Please and, and, tell and them. I would say if, if that person is burdened by that, that's not the person for you. Yeah, exactly. Like that's yeah. If that person's like gross, <laughs> yeah. then fuck that person. Yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so I think it's so important. And you know, my wife has been amazing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and the other thing I, I want to ask you, it's really tough. It's tough for me and this is maybe a personal question. I don't know. Maybe okay. we should turn the podcast off. Who cares? <laughs> uh, but, you know, people have said to me, they're like, well, why don't you talk about your abuse on stage? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I, I don't know what's so f funny about it. I Like, um, how, how, do you, how do you do that? I more bring it up because I, I tell a story about my stepdad and I beekeeping together. And yeah. I, the, the point of the story is um, it's, it sort of addresses it's funny, but it sort of addresses like uh, the, sort of these high standards for masculinity that we have and like right. how they're so unlivable, you know. Yeah. Um, and I started it started out just by saying that, like, I say my dad in this yeah. thing, but this is actually my stepdad. And then I just say that my father, you know, was my actual biological father was super sexually abusive to me and very physically abusive and is no longer part of my life in any way. Right. And then I kind of like make a few jokes about how, but that's why I'm so funny. So it's all worth it. Yeah. But I also feel like it's an important part of the story, even if it makes crowds a little bit uncomfortable for a second, right. I feel like it's really an important part of the story because it's like, I, this is a man who doesn't have to love me. And that's part of right. the story too, is that he's been so kind to me. So I bring, I do it in the beginning. And then I do have, I have a, a couple of jokes about like, same thing about how, like I used to be super fearful and be afraid to travel and stuff. Right. But then I realized, Oh, you've, you were raped by your father. What are you scared of? Like, that doesn't sound funny when I say it now, but it's yeah, actually right. a pretty good, well-written joke about like not being afraid of life and not being a not being right. scared of pain. Right. Essentially. Um, and so, yeah, I, it took a while for me to make that stuff funny. Right. You know, it took a while for me to um, to write it in a way that, like, people could hear but not be like, ah, too much, too right, much. Right, I think part of it is, like, I approach it with a lightheartedness that is like, hey, this is just a thing. It's not... Right. It's not something that wrecked me. I also think looking at me, you aren't like, that girl's a fucking disaster. Right. So that helps, you know, like you see me up no, there and, and I'm it, just like a no, person. I appreciate that because I guess I, I, I guess I see that as now like it's championing survival. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, I have, I do, I have actually a pretty long set I do about why I don't spank my kids. Yeah. Um, 
And it's and a lot of the abuse shit is built into that and about how like whenever somebody's like, I was spanked as a kid and I turned out fine. I'm like, cool. I was spanked as a kid and turned out to be a soft porn, a soft core pornographer and a comedian. <laughs> Don't fucking spank your kids. Don't ever do that. No, it's yeah. not a it's not worth it. You know, yeah. and like um, and it was just about how like. Cause I like, I, I'm a, this is like, talk about getting personal. You turn off the podcast now. I don't actually care, but, uh, like I always have been super into BDSM stuff and like have a fairly dark sexual template, which is a hundred percent because I was beaten a bunch as a kid and adrenaline and like, like your oxytocin and your dopamine shit gets fucked up as a kid Sure. by, by having pain be part of your endorphin dump. And yeah, that's stuck with me in my whole fucking life. You spank your kids. You are creating little adult spankers. That's what you're fucking doing. (laughs) You just, you spank your daughter. She's going to have a grown man spanker someday. So that's on you, bro. I don't like it. You just made that. (laughs) And so like, yeah, spank your kids, but just be, just know that for sure that contributed to my sexuality. A (laughs) hundred percent. So do what you want. Do what you want. That's good advice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. I'm so glad we ended on that note. That was just a beautiful, Ah, funny little, meaningful spot. I like ending it with a little grown-up tip, little parenting tip, little parenting tip, little parenting nugget, parenting nugget to end it on. Hey, um, if you were sexually abused, go to speakyoursilence.org. They offer free counseling and they help you reduce the shame around. I was just going to ask you about that. Speakyoursilence.org. Yeah, they're wonderful people and um, they've helped so many people and they really helped me reduce the shame. They were one of the big reasons I've, I'm able to come out and be public about this. and Yeah. Yeah, me. definitely, you know, uh, talk to somebody about it for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. If you have a partner, spouse, yeah. boyfriend, girlfriend. Find some support. There are wonderful support Absolutely. groups out there. Yeah. Yeah. Speakyoursilence.org. And where can people see you? Uh, MArnoldComedy.com? Yeah. And I have a show in Brooklyn at the Knitting Factory uh, on June 16th. And I don't know when this is coming out, but... So you know, whenever. Yeah. I understand. And I'm taking the whole month of July off, so fuck you guys. And, and uh, you know, if you're a Doug Loves Movies fan, some people listen to this... You have probably heard Emma on there. She'll mm-hmm. probably be on again. Yep. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure. You're thank the best. you. Yeah, it was super fun.